what is the right age to tell the what is the right age <laughs> to tell Can the kids story? listen to our show yes yeah, no but they're right behind that door right. <laughs> all right somebody else read this question <laughs> What is the right age to tell children the truth about Santa? Or do you keep the fiction going as long as possible and let them discover it on their own? So clearly my answer has been given. Episode 120 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. Uh, 180, you mean? What did I say? You said 120. I was like, how far back are we going? (laughs) Well, time travel. I meant 180. (laughs) This one's staying in too. Remember last week? (laughs) I don't know what he edited out because I don't listen to it. So. Like there was all this stuff that we're like, Derek's gonna edit this out. We're starting over, and he was like, "No, I'm not." He used he used that bit as the opening. Right. Exactly. Yeah, he did. He's like, Derek's gonna have to edit this out. Nope. Stay um, in. One hundred eighty. Are you happy? One hundred. Catch new episodes, not old episodes. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverend Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and a special guest address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. It is the week before Christmas. All the things need to be forgiven. Exactly. <laughs> Today Amen. in our third chair, we welcome back the Reverend Layton Williams. Layton is currently based in Charleston, South Carolina with her fiance, Billy, and their cat, Gryffindor. She is the author of Holy Disunity, What Separates Us Can Save Us. Welcome back, Layton. Yay. Yay. Thank you. Happy to And we are on our month-long tour of long goodbyes. And although Wait, Layton what? will be... See? Stop it. <laughs> Although Leighton will be back with us, um, this is our month ending of our official um, third chair guest, rotation. Third chair rotation, and in January um, it'll be back to me and Ogan and Brian, and we'll see who's in charge of what at that point. We have no idea, but um, anyway, I feel Leighton, we should just pull up a fourth chair and keep the rotation going. That's my. I, I know that you do, and if anybody is listening, you are welcome to throw in a vote, which I will outvote if I don't like <laughs> your opinion. <laughs> Wow, that took a turn. Play it all and out yet, there. Very true. I speak the truth. <laughs> That's true. You can show your love for this sort of dictatorship by becoming a supporter <laughs> on Patreon. Get access to extended interviews with some guests and lively be- before and after the show banter. Was it last week that I showed that a uh, weird Christmas tree thing that I have? Yes. Fur? Yes. Yeah, so if you want to see, if you want to see a Christmas tree that will haunt your nightmares forever uh yeah sign up see that video from last <laughs> week visit patreon.com slash pt life to get started big thank you to our current patrons patron patrons i can talk if you would like to even show some more love for the world and get this beautiful pub theology pint glass simply donate 25 dollars or more to nokidhungry.org in the midst of this pandemic, uh, the lines around food banks have been getting longer and longer. People are struggling. No kid 
Hungry.org is an organization that feeds people around the country. You donate $25 or more to them. We will send you a glass at no cost to you as a thank you. Simply DM us uh, proof of your donation along with your address. And in true lifestyle, we are streaming our recordings live on Facebook Tuesdays, usually 5.30ish or the odd Tuesday, it's 4.30ish, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and as always, you can join the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, hashtag PT Live. And someone donated last week and I owe you glasses and they are oh. coming, I promise. Huzzah. Um, so um, I forgot your name right now and I tried to look it up real quick, but I didn't get there. So if that was you, um, they're on their way, I promise. And if it was not you, um, go ahead and donate and then I'll send you one too. So just let me go ahead and do it today so I can do one run to the post office. How about that? There you go. And whoever you are that we don't know, thank you. Thank you so much. Very much. So today we're discussing Santa, gifts, joy, power. <laughs> I feel like there should be some like something that happens. A sound effect. A sound effect. Like, yeah. Uh, right. Like these are, they're just one liners or one words. They're just, anyway. So Leighton, what are you drinking today? Uh, you know, I believe I've had this on this show before, uh, but this is the Voodoo Ranger uh, Juicy Haze IPA, which um, last time I evaluated my tastes was my favorite uh, IPA. Uh, and I had one left in the fridge, so I decided that I would have it. But I feel like I should announce, because of the kind of week that it is, uh, that I also have backup whiskey. Nice. nice. Yeah, of course. I have that, too. Love me that larceny bourbon. Uh, we oh, do yeah, like larceny around here, too. Yes, yes, yes. It's one of our rotations. Mm-hmm. Same. You. Um, I, well, then what uh, do you- I'm out of eggnog. Shocker. Uh-oh. And I did not make it in all the lists of things that had to happen today, so... I'm I'm barren. Um, I have me a pomegranate blonde ale from Finkel and Garf Brewing Company in Boulder, Colorado. And I don't know if this is going to be an interesting contrast for my taste buds. Number two is a powder run cream ale with vanilla. So those seem like a couple of extremes on flavors, but I say those are a little opposite. Company, yeah, but you know we can go with them. See well, my happens. bottle opener is very happy. And um, so that I'm drinking like wine. <laughs> By the way, y'all, if you haven't seen it, look up the video of the bottle opener wa- like um, on the roller coaster. It is the best thing you have ever <laughs> seen in your life. It is um, really funny. So I'm drinking wine today. We do have beer in the fridge, um, but I drank the one of them two weeks ago. I drank one of them last week. And the other one is not one I've had before and it's almost 8% alcohol and I have a meeting after this. So I'm drinking wine today. So this is a cheap bottle of Riesling, which is one of my go-to bottles of Riesling, which is um, Chateau Saint-Michel um, from Columbia Valley. Love Vintage Love that sound. 2018. Nice. Um, you know, maybe $9 a bottle, maybe, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so that's what I'm having today because hey cheap don't make it bad that's so true still goes down um remember that story about the new york uh, the new york restaurant where they sent the wrong bottle to the wrong the the expensive bottle like the thousands of dollars bottle to to the couple who ordered the 18 dollar bottle and the 18 dollar bottle went to the table of the big execs and and they they didn't know any different right no And I bet yeah, the one, big execs were like, this is the best wine yeah, I've ever had. They were actually had. complimenting on the wine. Yeah, exactly. 
have read many of articles that make me feel better that are like just because it's really expensive like there's a there's a place right there's a yeah. there's a dollar amount that like after this it's just no and before this like you know don't do it but like in this range do it so you know yeah i try to keep that in mind and it's a pretty low range it is a pretty low range like you know um so what is the right age to tell the what is the right age? <laughs> Can the kids story. listen to our show? <laughs> yeah, seriously. No, but they're right behind that door. Right. <laughs> All right, somebody else read this question. <laughs> what is the right age to tell children the truth about Santa? Or do you keep the fiction going as long as possible and let them discover it on their own? So clearly my answer has been given. <laughs> So can I tell a story about this? Because yeah. I love this story. Um, and I don't, they're not really right behind the door. I just, I heard Derek talking. So whatever. Better safe than sorry though. I know. I, yeah. I, you know, I used to have a sound machine. So like, you know, so um, we were, my daughter is a couple years ago or like just one or two, not this year, obviously. My daughter and I were out, it was around Easter. It was close to Easter and we were out. We never go to the mall. I don't know why we were at the mall, but we were, and we went into Bath and Body Works, which is like 11 year old is like her favorite store, right? Like yeah, all that. So oh, that she is just happen. having the best time. And I'm looking around going, I never come in this place, but there are some really good things in here for an Easter basket. And like, I was like, do I, don't I, do I, don't I, you know, like, and I said, okay, Maggie, I need to, I need to tell you something and you know, whatever. I was like, I want to buy these gifts for Easter baskets. Like there is no Easter bunny, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, yeah, I figured mom, like, come on. She goes, but don't ever tell me there's no Santa Claus. And I was like, I would never, <laughs> I was like, I would never say that. That is ridiculous. You know, like totally i was like listen the easter bunny a giant bunny give me a break like santa's a man like whatever you know like so that's my answer so wait was, my, it, was it was it was it don't tell me because she still believed or don't tell me because she already put two and two together but she couldn't handle the truth the 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 latter right okay. she yeah no, no no so our two oldest have come come out <laughs> you know they know they, santa they, deniers yeah they know they've been in the, their their um they're out of the christmas closet exactly and yet are very much um into the idea and they're mm -hmm. very much into their younger siblings not like keeping that as long as possible and the magic yeah. of it and they just like the idea of it so they mm -hmm. just want to keep going you know um but you know, and I, and so we do that. We keep it going. Um, like the other day, the third one was like, kind of tried to give me that wink, wink, nod, nod about it. And I was like, I was still like, well, maybe, you know, like, well, I saw last year, I saw somebody going downstairs to, you know, and I was like, well, maybe they just wanted to see if Santa came or maybe they just had to go to the bathroom or maybe, you know, like I was totally making excuses for it. So, yeah. you know, that's well, I'm a deny till I die. <laughs> my, uh, my parents, I feel like handled this very well. And I was certainly in the camp of like, wanted to believe for as long as possible, but also like, I'm a 
very smart person, right? So I like just rode that tension for a number of years. But but one thing my parents did really well about it is like they just kept updating the story in a way that like felt very organic. And like, it was honestly like a really beautiful ushering into the truth. So it didn't feel like this betrayal. Like, I can't remember all the stages, but it's like one time I did, I found presents like months beforehand. And my parents were like, well, do you honestly think Santa can get to everybody's house in one night? Like he enlists the help of parents. So we hold on to the presents and sometimes we even get there's the presents a pickup time. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was like, and then eventually, and there were a few more, you know, evolutions over time, but eventually I think that the answer was, um, Santa is the spirit of Christmas. Right. And so it's right. like, when, when we keep the spirit of Christmas alive for other people, we all get to be a little bit of Santa Claus, which was like, I just ate that shit up. <laughs> so like, cause it gave me, you know, it gave me like a soft landing. I think I would have struggled because I really wanted magic to be real when I was a kid. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's what the older ones are craving, right? We want that feeling, that excitement, that magicalness. I think, I think the danger is if we keep having children believe fantasies like this too long, they grow up to be like, you know, birthers and QAnon folk they just believe okay. anything so, so can like, I tell you can I tell you about a story of like someone who believed for way too long uh-oh is it you no no so actually like I a hate friend. this uh, no no no, no. It, it was my friend. so it was my cousin and my so my uncle died um when my cousins were 12 9 and 6 mm. and my um my my aunts and uncles and father who were you know um his my my uncle that died his siblings they like got in cahoots with the neighbor next door and every year they would buy um my aunt my uncle's widow like presents and they would be delivered to the house oh no no and this is like legit and they i mean so she was legit like where did these come from what's going on i mean she eventually figured out what was happening but like it was years it was a couple of years she was 68 (laughs) no no no. so she so the boys really like they saw her surprise they saw her genuine like it was very genuine surprise of like oh Mm -hmm. this is what like Santa brought you know so my cousin is in his um freshman year of high school first day of his freshman year of high school goes into his English class and his English teacher says I want you to write an essay so that I can see where you are writing wise and so just write an essay on the time you found out there was no Santa Claus oh no dear and he was like Wait, I found out there was no Santa Claus in my first day of my freshman year of high school <laughs> in my English class when my teacher asked me to write an essay about it. <laughs> the day you found out memes. That's how the day you found out memes got started. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my that's, gosh. That's ridiculous. So, but it was, it was real for them, right? It was right. this very real, like it was out of trauma was built this spirit of hope and excitement and, you know, all of that. So Anyway, and my aunt did a great job. She did that whole, um, you know, there was once, there was once a man named, you know, um, Mm -hmm. St. Nicholas, and this is what he did. And, 
Um, and you know, we keep that spirit alive and like, she did an amazing job. And then he said to her, I don't want to tell, I don't want to tell my brothers, like, don't like, I don't want them to know yet. And they're, you know, 11 and, you know, nine or whatever, eight at that point. So like they were close, but you know, anyway, I just, I, I, I think, I think from the time kids can begin to understand abstract concepts and, you know, things like similes and metaphors, that's when you should tell them and shift it so that now as you tell them about the spirit of Christmas, the idea behind St. Nicholas, then you that's where you start introducing the idea of being in service and giving. Mm -hmm. Start them young because up till then, it's all about what am I getting? Yes. It becomes very self-serving yeah. sort of mm -hmm. deal. Granted, I'm an adult and I still ask that, what am I getting? You know, right. but at the same point, I'm also, what am I giving? What am I going to give? Yeah. Who am well, I going to give? Not and again, we're spending a lot of time on this, but I actually think this is the important part. Like, you know, people say a lot what you said, Ogan, which is like, oh, the betrayal and we're lying and we're whatever. We're also teaching them like, it's okay to give anonymously. It's mm -hmm. okay to give and not have any recognition for it. That's a good point. Like, it's okay to do that. And it's okay to just have that be magical for someone else, even though you're not getting anything in return. Right. So that's also what we're teaching. Is that, mm -hmm. oh, all these years when I was so happy and so I thought all of this magical, like you did that and you never took credit for it. And that's mm -hmm. where the cheesy ass, but totally real meme of like mom smiling on mom's present on Christmas morning is me opening all of my presents. And like, that is 100% true. <laughs> and like, I mean, I also want my presents, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> my, okay. Yeah. What, my last story, my story about this is joy discovered the easter or almost discovered the easter bunny and maybe by jason santa claus wasn't real she almost did when she was five years old and lost a tooth and we had a whole little like easter bunny stuffed animal with a little pocket mm -hmm. thing so you you know she put the tooth in and then we you know stinking put the money in or whatever and tooth fell out she went to bed and put her tooth in as we were tucking her in and then we forgot oh 100 percent right? have done that so so, so multiple then, times <laughs> so like 5 30 6 a.m the next morning we awoke to this child bawling <laughs> She's like, we we're like what's happening what's going on the tooth fairy doesn't love me she's like bawling right and we are like oh we done fucked up like yeah. oh shit what are we totally forgot do? kids five and I was like, and then I noticed what time it was. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I yeah. said to her, I was like, but Joy, it's barely 6 a.m. Like, Easter Bunny hasn't made it here yet. You just right. woke up too early. Go back to bed. Give her a chance to get here. And like in the middle of the inhale for the next whale, like she stopped. And like, it made sense right. to her. And she's, she's like, like oh. oh, okay. <laughs> and she just like went back to bed and went right. back to sleep. And I was like, genius. Nice one. I have 100% oh, forgotten and, <laughs> and we wrote, we wrote a note and it's like, I'm so sorry. I missed you last night. You. I just got really busy. <laughs> you know, here's an extra dollar. <laughs> joy discovering I... Santa wasn't real was more traumatic for her mother. Oh, than, than her joy. Like for, you know, the loss of innocence. Honestly, at this so point I'm fine to... with it. Cause I'm just like, no. just tell me what you want. <laughs> like, you know, exactly. let's just... Yeah. Leighton, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was just gonna say, my parents also had a good strategy for when they forgot the tooth fairy money. Um, they would always say, my mom would always come in and be like, 
huh, that's really strange. Well, did you look inside the pillowcase? And then she'd be like, let me check. <laughs> and I fell and for like, it every time. Right, exactly. <laughs> she'd just have it in her hand and pull it out. And I was like, wow, I never thought of that. And I guess, <laughs> I guess one time I put the money in, but I forgot to take the tooth. And so like Gus was all like, but, Ooh, but, 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 like, listen, maybe the tooth fairy has enough teeth. Like what's, what's, what's always fascinating for me around these figures is, you know, the, the um, embrace of the stalwart Christian community around, you know, what this season means. And at the same time, just simply turning a blind eye to like the, but we're going to still embrace these like pagan and cultural right right oh absolutely well. right but, but other pagan and cultural things uh, are, are are ridiculous know, and pathway to the devil so exactly. you know it's, it's a right. weird interesting christmas christmas gives people a lot of leeway to like you know yes it does bend, bend some borders as i call it <laughs> all right so here's the question leighton needed time to think about if you could receive any single gift this holiday season what would it be given realistic or non-realistic answer Yeah, I struggled with this because I don't, I mean, like, we're not really doing traditional presents this year, Billy and I, because we bought a house. Um, and so I haven't thought very much about what I wanted. I think um, that was your uh, realistic answer right there. We got right. a house. We got a house. <laughs> yeah, buy well, it wasn't gifted. <laughs> but I did decide that my other answer is I would like a puppy which we are also getting at some point, but we can't get it until we move into the house. Sure. So it can't come at Christmas, but that is like a vaguely realistic thing. My unrealistic gift would be um, a publishing contract for an entire series of YA no novels that I write with an option to adapt them for the screen. Seven figure deal. Yeah. You know, why not? This why not? This I mean, is what happens not? when you give her time to think. She's like, I got this. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually See, I'm like, out. I'm like, I want a KitchenAid mixer, like, you know, like whatever. So, I have one actually. Um, Ogan, did you think about this? Do you have something? Um, well, so I don't know what where where we land with the realistic, non-realistic, uh, but <laughs> I think what, that depends on you. What is right, realistic? Right, and what right. What what? So what I would love that would make a realistic, real-world impact in on me, but mm -hmm. probably will happen is like somebody to just drop a big old check so I can like clear up some debt. That I, that's exactly, that's exactly it, right? Like really I just nice. want a big check. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that kind of, kind of lands. I got, a, I got a laundry list of like fun, unnecessary tech things, uh, you know, that, that if somebody wanted to help me out with, that would be great too. Um, and what just what what just happened? Where'd the question go? I, I was gonna say somehow the question got deleted. <laughs> the question from the script. Like, what the hell? I, I was looking back and it was gone. Because um, I was like, wait, what what are we what am I talking about again? Okay, so one yes. one present. I'm gonna pull it back up, but like one present, a realistic and unrealistic um, answer. So I I don't. I mean, listen, like yes, that. I mean the. The unrealistic is like, yes, a big fat check for these vaccines to be put out faster for, you know, like there's all kinds of things like that I can think of. Sure. But like, you know, really, I think, um, I, I, yeah, that, I mean, really, that's all I got. Because that's really just, 
somehow making life easier, right? Like the unrealistic answer is like to please God, make life easier. Yeah. Um, we are, we are sounding so old. <laughs> I know. Right. I know. I know. Ugh, my answers are so like parents who've been broken, man. <laughs> okay. You know what? I want, want like, easy life. <laughs> I want a new like Ugh. iPhone pro whatever that I can take amazing pictures with. Like that's what I want. True. Um, uh, uh, reasonable. Um, uh, we're getting so much like Leighton. We've, we've actually never done this. We are building, getting built custom bookshelves um, on either Ooh. side of our fire, fireplace. And we bought ourselves a chair and so that there will be two chairs. Leighton knows our house well enough. There will be two chairs facing the fireplace and they will have these built-in bookshelves. Nice. Cause the fireplace in our house was kind of like unusable. Like you didn't sit and watch at the fire because there was no, you know, whatever. Um, it's in the dining room and it's weird but we're kind of creating a sitting area there with these bookshelves. And I am like, it's my realistic answer because like, I am so excited. Like this is me being really old. I am like the idea of a custom piece of furniture, right? Like oh, yeah. the idea of like doing something that it's sitting by the fire, but, but it came about because of this year. And we were like, we need a yeah. place that's ours. We need a place to sit. And how are we going to get through this winter? And this was the answer. So yeah. it's a bigger gift than we would normally get or give each other. And it's not something on, that you wrap under the tree, but I am so excited about it. So yeah, I want what I'm actually getting. <laughs> like, it's a great feeling. Yeah. So, you know, um, I mean, besides that, you know, happiness and joy and peace, right. and that good stuff. Yeah. So the third well, week of world, Advent. World peace and little things like that. I mean, really, like, I, that's really what I want. Um, even just in my extended, you know, family or ex family, mm -hmm. that would be great. <laughs> there, there, there. Um, yeah. The third week of Advent last Sunday featured the lighting of the candle of joy. How do you find joy amidst struggle? So I'd just like to say that we in unity, we are the rebels who do it our own way. We have dispensed you with hope and we call it faith. Way. We've switched love and joy around for some bizarre reason. I don't even know. I know. Why. I thought that was weird when you, you said it the other week and you said it wrong and I didn't correct you, but yeah. Yeah. We, oh, we, we were wrong on purpose for whatever reason. I think we wanted to end on a high note. I don't know what it is, but love isn't better than joy. Well, I don't know. All right. I mean, you know, I think the they're joy, all pretty The equal. joy of the baby's birth, I guess. But I the greatest know. of these, you know. <laughs> Again, I make the rule. <laughs> I'm just arguing against it. I, I, understand, I understand that. But again, I can't explain it. That's the sad part. I wish I could explain it. I can't. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, as you anticipate lighting the joy candle. So, I'm, I'm going to be quiet and let y'all talk so I can get some sermon notes. That's what I was mm. up for because I will be talking about so it. So, my sermon this week actually is on the Magnificent, which was last week's, you know, like whatever. I, I, I'm doing it this week. And I, I just wrote this very, um, I just, I used a lot of writing from um, um, Rutina Weems' uh, book, uh, Something Mary, Singing Mary or something. Oh, shoot. Anyway, it's a great book, <laughs> which I can't remember the name of. Um, and 
it's like a chapter out of there that I used and it's very like fine joy in the midst of all of this. And I really struggled showing Mary is the name of the book. Um, it's a great book. It, it, I really struggled with, is that appropriate right now? And yet, mm -hmm. you know, the thing that I settled on is like, I am faking it. Like I am faking all of this right now. And I still believe that fake joy is better than not fake joy. You know, mm -hmm. like real joy is obviously superior, mm -hmm. but fake joy is what I've got right now. And, and a message that says, find that passion, find that goodness, find a way to rejoice anyway, is a message that is good for me. So, I mean, honestly, how do I find it? I fake it right now. Nice. Good answer. I think, you know, I've kind of been in this weird position recently where like, <laughs> obviously the world is on fire uh, and there are some things about that that are hard for me as well. But I also am just having like a bang up year in terms of like, I got engaged. I got this fancy new job that I love. That is the first like full financial stability I've had in a year and a half. I got a new house, you know, I'm planning a wedding. Been good to you. Weirdly, yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I think I have this simultaneous two things, two negative things crop up for me in that. And one is guilt um, for getting, having so much to be happy about when so many people are struggling so hard. And the other is what, um, Brene Brown calls foreboding joy, which is, you know, things are going so well, it doesn't compute in your brain because you're used to more balance. And so you just have this sense of like, all right, what's the bad thing that's going to happen to counterbalance this? Like yeah. when's it, when's the other shoe going to drop? And she says, um, that the, the only antidote for foreboding joy is gratitude. Um, and so I have been trying for that one, I have just been trying really hard to focus on things both big and small that I'm grateful for um, and just how expansive that list is so that it's like, if any one of these did fall apart, like I'd still have all this other stuff to hold on to, right? Um, and then I think for the, um, the guilt element, I have been trying to focus on generosity so it's like, you know, I do have a lot to be happy for and I am lucky in that way. And how can I like give some of that joy and happiness away to other people, right? How can I be open hearted with what I've been lucky to have? So, um, which to be, I'm going to be honest and say like generosity, I'm often so fearful about losing stuff, money, whatever, that generosity doesn't always come very naturally to me. Um, and so it's been a good exercise for me to lean into both of those gratitude and generosity um and that is allowing me to enjoy the joy that it just happens to be in my midst right now i find it interesting that you <clears throat> said all the good things that are happening are weird and i would i would posit they're not weird it's the it's the result of all the things you've done leading up to them happening it's, you know it's the natural exactly. out picturing of the work you put in of the effort you've put in these you're you're reaping the rewards and and you know the universe doesn't work like oh wait everybody else is having a shitty year so let's put your reward on pause you know right. um so so there's always there's always going to be 
people suffering. There's always going to be people uh, celebrating. There's always going to be babies being born. There's always going to be people being dying. There's always, you know, there's always yeah. going to be these like uh, polar opposite experiences happening at the same time in in the world. And and to your point about shame, I, I think it's a I think it's a disservice to ourselves and others we play when we don't celebrate our successes um, in the midst of others suffering because I think sometimes it it can serve as inspiration to others you know like this like everything is falling apart right now but you know this person's success makes inspires me to know that there's still good stuff happening in the world yeah I was gonna say it, for people that, so first I want to say, like, I, I completely agree. And it's not always the case. And I wasn't always there. But one of the things, you know, um, we're going through in our house is like, there are some frustrations around the good things that are happening. And it's not all good, right? But, but a year ago, this is where we were. And now we're here. And this isn't just serendipity. This didn't just like fall in your lap. Yeah. This was the result of asking questions, doing the hard work, saving that money, or, you know, what do we, what do we need to do to get there if that's the goal? Yeah. And, and even if that goal didn't happen the way that we necessarily wanted it to happen, it, it's going to come to fruition. And that's great right Mm -hmm. and and so we you know we had that conversation the other day and so you're absolutely right Ogan. like not that we can will good things to happen to us right but if we put in that hard work of asking these hard questions and working towards a goal it's not just good things are happening to me and i'm sorry i can't help it you know like we work towards it but there's also there's also the the expectancy that comes with faith right mm-hmm. that, yeah. that 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 says i will i will look to receive the good because that's what i put out into the world in right. in essence so so you know that's what i would say to you as well Layton. you're a person who puts good into the world and it so happens that the good is showing up in your life in a year that there's this pandemic happening but but, but, but you right. you're, you're not responsible for when that happens but yeah as people of faith, particularly, I believe we have a responsibility that even if our lives aren't going well, we celebrate with others anyway. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. that is actually part of the joy of community it is part of the joy is like things may be shit for me right now, but look at what's happening in your life and it's your turn. And then when things are shit for you, things may be going well for me. And not only are you with me in my pain, I'm with you in my joy, in your joy. So there's always kind of that balance in community, even if you're on one extreme versus another. And mm-hmm. I think that helps us pull our, pull ourselves out of this. So where we don't, so I'm going to lead into this next question. So where we don't get to a place of like, all these good things are happening to me. I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. Right. Right. The community keeps us balanced in that way of like, I, yes, good things are happening for, for me right now, but not for everybody. And so it keeps us in that place. So I don't, I don't like that you kind of use the word deserve and entitled almost in the same frame, Mm -hmm. like, like you inadvertently equated those words. And I don't agree with that entitled. Absolutely. No one's entitled to anything. 
And at the same time, I do believe that if one does put in the work, if one does, if one is a, a force for good and light in the world, then 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 when good and light shows up in your life, yes, you 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 did deserve that. Um, not that it's not in the sense that it's owed to you, but in the I, sense I was going to say is, this is the natural picturing of your work. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think it's the ode to me. Like, yes, I, I, I think, yeah, I think I was using deserve in that sense of like, this is what I get for whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sir John (laughs) Dalberg Acton said, Sir John, uh, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Is it true that a person's sense of morality lessens his, their uh, power, lessens as their power increases? I'm really trying to not use these binaries that we got to talk to Brian about. Um, (laughs) His or her and everybody in between. Hey, at Um, least he says his or her. I I understand. At least least we got an option. (laughs) I do appreciate that, but I just, it's easy to say they. Um, Is it true that a person's sense of morality lessens their power? as their power increases. Um, not necessarily in my opinion, but it does tend to be a parallel yeah. that is happened many times and we should pay attention to it. I just had to look up who that was. Dude was a baron. So interestingly enough, he was in a position of power. <laughs> I was going to say. his own struggle. Maybe it is his own struggle. So I, I mean, so I have, we've, uh, maybe you have to like, if I listen to, and I'm not saying these people are completely void of corruption, um, but I don't know that any of us are, but like I listened to an interview with Bill Gates about the vaccine for the, for COVID a few months ago. And, you know, this is not a man, like he has very strong morals about what we need to do and how we need to get this vaccine into the world. And so like, on one hand, I'm like, hmm, that, so I read this and I'm like, not necessarily um, Warren Buffett calling for like, you know, a 90% tax on his income because it's his responsibility, you know, like mm-hmm. that's not corruption. Um, I'm not saying they're selfless completely. I, I would say the temptation increases as your power. The temptation, increases. absolutely. Yeah. And yet I think this isn't necessarily a top and a bottom thing, like, I, there's a lot of people in the middle that this is absolutely true. They get a little bit of power and boom, all of their morality goes out the window and they want more and more and more. I think that, yeah, I was going to say, I think whether it's wealth or power and, you know, in our capitalistic world, those things are often hand in hand. Um, I think, you know, it's operating from a place of fear versus a place of and scarcity versus a place of abundance and love right and i think that the more you have be it money or power the more you have to lose and so there is this sort of functional fallacy that we can fall into but don't have to because it is simultaneously true that the more you have the more you have to give away right but if you are afraid of losing it then the stakes get higher and higher the more you have and it becomes the fear becomes this bigger and bigger looming shadow and temptation, as you said, uh, to not necessarily be outright evil, but to neglect moral responsibility 
in favor of holding on to what you have, right? And which maybe that is outright evil. I don't know, but but well, and I also want to say that the two men I mentioned, excuse me, grew up in situations where they they were privileged, right? Yeah. They had. And so that fear of losing the have wasn't really there as as much as I mean, they didn't have what they have now, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I think this is difficult for somebody, whether it's true or not, um, feels that they didn't have power. Well, mm -hmm. let's also be clear, you know, you mentioned Bill Gates, but let's also remember what, what he, you know, his opposition to when Elizabeth Warren was talking about, you know, taxing, taxing the super rich and raising, raising their, you know, what am I trying to say here? Uh, 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 their no, tax raising, bracket. Yeah, know, raising and, their percentage. And, and taxing them more. And he right. was like, yeah, no, I'm not down with that. So, so. See, and know. he said the opposite in this interview. He said well, he absolutely was okay with it. Maybe he's evolved, but. Maybe, but maybe he, maybe she ago. just wasn't his candidate or whatever. But like um, the way he, I mean, he describes himself as the mm -hmm. centrist that, you know, whatever. But he, I mean, he said like, I am, I should be taxed at this higher level. Yeah. So maybe there was something else there, but I, and I'm not, I'm not idolizing these people. I think they're, I just think there's what I want Benzos to get on board with, right? Is that idea is that like, I have so much excess, so like so not much. just more than enough, but like excess beyond comprehension Yeah. that like, why am I not all these employees that have gone through this COVID period and blah, blah, blah. Why am I not giving them their salary in bonus? Why am yeah. I not right? Like, and and it wouldn't even affect his wealth. I right? was I was on this last week. When you I were on about this last the, week. The, the whole the whole eviction crisis that's upon us. You know, if all the billionaires in the country gave like twelve million each, boom, problem right. solved. Twelve million is pocket change. And uh, I, I mean, and this know, is. For Jeff Bezos, that's like lint at the bottom of the pocket. Exactly. The pocket <laughs> so I, I, I think the reason why like this kind of quote is because I, I might even say the majority of time it's true, but I also would say that it's it may be that eighty twenty rule, right? Yeah. It may be twenty percent of the uber rich that are just super loud, and the eighty are very i mean think of all the philanthropists well, out there that exactly. are supporting say, great causes to you know all the billionaires that i called out i mean there is there you know bezos amazon they have foundations that the waltons have foundations like yes all these people have these charitable foundations to to help others so so you know kudos to them and at the same time when you are at the level of wealthy that they are Sometimes when we find ourselves in a position where the level of suffering is in the excess that it is and has been this past year because of the pandemic, step up a little more, you know, mm -hmm. we, we'll be okay if you, well, and if you don't pull back from that mission to Mars for a year. We'll right. right. And, <laughs> and don't necessarily do it in the way that gives you the tax advantage, right? Hand it out There's to the that. employees where it's going to do a lot of good, you know, things yeah. like that. So anyway, I, I think, I think the problem is, is that my perception is this, this is true, whether or not it really is, I don't know. And I have experienced this as true in, in, from many different people. Um, and, you know, I, I had a doctor um, when the kids were born 
that used to be, used to be a labor and delivery nurse and then went back to school, got, you know, and got her MD and is now, you know, was now um, an OBGYN. And one of the things that I loved about her is she never forgot what it was like to be a nurse on the floor, you know, on, you know, on that unit. Mm-hmm. And I, she treated her staff with respect. She treated, you know, and I so appreciated that about her. And so I think that's the, like, if you feel that this is a problem, those are the kind of people we need to seek out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so last question, is it always good to have choices? Yes or no? (laughs) Yes, but not too many. (laughs) I don't know. Some days I feel like the answer is no, no, I don't want any choices. Just tell me what to do. (laughs) Yeah. So I was, I was like not struggling with the question, but struggling with the, why is that question there? Like, is it, is it tied into the others and I'm just missing it? Like, I don't know. It feels Um, pretty out of left. It, it does. And we have, we have found this to be true the last couple of weeks that there's, you know, on one hand, I was going to skip it. And on the other hand, I'm like, no, yes or no. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. I read a study years ago for a sermon I was doing that, you know, there's only so much cognitive ability we have to, um, you know, make decisions. Mm-hmm. And that we have more decision-making in the cereal aisle than our ancestors did about everything in their life. Yeah. And so like, no wonder we're overwhelmed. Yeah. And, and, so- and, and then yes, good to have choices. No, not too many, but then don't judge me for the choice that I made. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't give me choices and then tell me there's a right choice. I'm working through my mother issues. That was a big thing growing up as a teenager. Is it you mom. didn't have choices? Like No, I had choices, but there was a right choice. There was a right. Um, I had choices, but 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 there was the right one and the wrong one. Yeah, and that's hard because you're taught as like exactly. part of parenting is like I'm going to give you this choice and you're going to, you know, or Exactly. You're not being it, it was- punished. These are the consequences of your choices. <laughs> my whole my whole teenage life was that that scene in a uh, uh was it the indiana the last indiana no the third indiana jones yeah the uh, last we, crusade uh, we just the, watched the that the other day crusade, right yeah. when they're in the room with all the the the, the cops the cups yeah he had to choose mm-hmm. one and the night was like you, you have chose poorly <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my mother yeah and i'm like i've been there <laughs> yeah exactly I- I definitely think there's such a thing as, par- what is it, paradox of choice, right? That like, if there's too much to choose from, it gets harder to do it. And so, yeah, to Ogan's point at the beginning of this section, like, yes, but not too many. Like I, on the one hand, you know, I really like to be in control <laughs> and that means having the choices in my court, right? How's that, how's that working out for you? <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated. Turns out that like <laughs> partnership requires a lot of work on this. That was gonna be my follow-up question, but there you go. <laughs> um, I'm learning, I'm learning. Um, but one of the things that I have learned is that like if you can trust, sometimes it's not nice to let somebody else worry about the choice, right? And mm. to not have to feel like you're in control. Um, there's this concept, the company or the organization I work for second breath, um, they, one of their teachings is about functional atheism, 
right? Which is this idea that we move and operate through the world as if we didn't believe that God was there or that another way to phrase it is like Einstein asked this question, like the fundamental question is, is the universe friendly? Yeah. Mm. Um, right. And so it's like, we, we function as if it is all up to us, even right. if we claim belief in God. Um, and so part of the work from our false self to our true self, not to get super in the weeds on this, but like, instead of, I, it's I'm learning question. a lot about this. It's the last question. Go for the weeds. The all weeds the are now. all we have left. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I am learning a ton because this is really pushing me in some significant ways. Like the, the move from the self that we are to the self that God intended us to be, right? Um, does not, we can't work, we can't make choices what am I trying to say? We can't control that process by proactive move, right? Like that's the choice that says, you know, oh, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to figure it all out. But the actual pathway is to surrender to the presence of God and then with God to move in that direction, right? Or the universe. I mean, like we use various forms of language for it. But um, anyway, I just think that's such an interesting way to understand like when our addiction to choice is a function of needing to control and not trusting in a friendly universe, right? And what it means to let go instead, which I guess is also a choice. So maybe I haven't answered the question, but. <laughs> you gave us That's a little, you gave us a lot to choose from right there. I feel like it's, I feel like this is a, this is a Facebook relationship. Like it's complicated. <laughs> it is. It's complicated. And but but also to realize I don't want my choices taken away, but there are some time there are times when there's just too many and I can't function. Right. Yeah. But but part of this is also inherently realizing, you know, back to my issues is that there there isn't a wrong choice. Right. There is if we are so much, you know what? And Ogan, maybe you learned this this way. Like parenting taught me that like parenting taught me. And maybe it came with also the the stage of life in which I became a parent. You know, maybe this is just what happens in the late your late twenties. You realize like you always thought there was a right and a wrong choice, like you just said. Yeah. And then suddenly you realize they're both right and they're both wrong. Yes. And you just have to choose one and go with it. Exactly. For me, it's if you realize that every choice, every action is an opportunity for you to discover more about mm-hmm. yourself, discover more about God as you, then every choice is the right choice because you're going to discover and learn regardless of the choice you make. Uh, back to Layton's point, if you trust, inherently trust that the universe is a friendly place, every choice you make will uh, has the opportunity to support that and support deeper learning. Um, so, so, so I'm, I'm, as a as an enneagram as an enneagram nine who's always <laughs> about like you know uh, making everybody happy making everybody happy <laughs> and then when I get overwhelmed like just shut down mm-hmm. you, you, you know like too many choices or again choice at all can can sometimes be debilitating like how yep. will this choice mm-hmm. affect the other people in the room in my life and is it the right one for them and then that freezes me up so right. my journey has always been or or i'm on the journey of 
being okay with, okay, what's the right choice for me knowing that when I make that choice, not from a selfish, selfish, but from a selfless place, it will benefit everyone else as well, because ultimately all the people in my life who love me want me to be happy. Right. Right. And it took me a while to get to that place. And even now it's still a struggle because right. my default, you know, when choices are placed before me is who is this going to impact and are they going to be okay with right. it? And I often, yeah. you know, again, not to, we need to wrap up and not to Enneagram at all, but you know, my response is an Enneagram too is like, well, what do you want? <laughs> like, and then I will decide what I want after I know what you want, <laughs> you know, and, and it's all problematic, but I also, I, I will just end by saying, I think choice is better than not choice. I do. Yes. I, I still think that. Well, a big thanks to our special guest, Leighton Williams, who we will never see again, Ogan, ever, <laughs> ever see again. <laughs> you know, you know, in, in, cel in celebration of you, I wore my, I wore my, uh, every year I gift myself with a tipsy elf sweater. Uh-huh. And this one says, I like build big bulbs. Wow, that is amazing. And it lights up. And it that lights awesome. up. It's as Nobody lit as my you fiance. are. <laughs> this one, this one right now on sale. Uh-huh. I bet it is. We'd like to thank. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tell it like it is, Shannon. <laughs> oh, would you expect anything less? Oh, we'd like to thank the originator of Pub Theology who came up with our questions, Brian Burkoff and our producer, Derek Weston. Connect and spread the word on social media. Listen any town, any time on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, also Apple, any also any town, um, Google Podcasts. Watch us live on Facebook Tuesdays around 530 um, Eastern time and sign up at patreon.com slash for more content. Um, donate to No Hungry and let us know. Find a creative pub theology in your town. Go to pubtheology.com slash directory. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations.